Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Dan, welcome to the Kojiko Incorporated and Kojiko Communications fourth quarter 2021 earnings conference call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Mr. Patrice Wimet. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you. So, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this uh, quarterly conference call, which Philippe Jeté and I will present. So as usual, before we begin the call, I'd like to remind listeners that the call is subject to forward-looking statements, which can be found in our press releases issued yesterday. I'll turn over the call to Philippe Jeté. Merci, Patrice. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for joining us to discuss the financial results of Kojiko Communications and Kojiko Inc. Let me first note that we are satisfied with Kojiko's communication overall performance for the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021, which is in line with expectations at both our Canadian and American broadband segments. On the media side, we are pleased with the financial results of our radio business, where revenue has grown by 17.7% year over year. All in all, these results position us very well to start our fiscal 2022 on a strong footing. Let us begin with a reflection on the key fiscal 2021 accomplishments, setting down fresh routes to further expand horizons. Kojiko Communications has pursued its acquisition growth strategy while maintaining a strong financial position. In December 2020, Kojiko Connection completed the acquisition of Terry Telecom the third largest cable operator in Quebec, now serving approximately 108,000 customers. The integration of Derry Telecom is very advanced and financial results are above expectations. In late June 2021, we announced an agreement to acquire networks passing 689,000 homes and businesses in Cleveland and Columbus, Ohio, serving some 200,000 customers. We closed this acquisition on September 1st and have already started integrating these assets on Atlantic Broadband's platform and are preparing to introduce innovative service enhancement to our new customers. This acquisition allows us to add significant scale to our growing and profitable U.S. broadband business on reasonable financial terms to pursue our market expansion strategy. In Canada, as we further develop our plans to enter the wireless market, we have secured 38 Spectrum licenses in Quebec and Ontario, which will increase our Spectrum coverage to 91% of our national broadband footprint which represents a population of 3.6 million Canadians. 
These spectrum investments, together with the recent CRTC regulatory decision on wholesale wireless services and our robust and growing regional broadband network, position Kojiko to further develop plans to enter the mobile market in a financially disciplined way in our core markets in Canada. Over the course of the year, Kojiko Connection announced several network expansion projects in underserved and unserved regions in the province of Quebec and Ontario. Most of these network expansion projects are being done in collaboration with governments, whereby Kojiko will deploy approximately 75,000 homes over the next three years. Kojiko's deep roots in regions and rural communities should continue to contribute to its success in collaborating with governments to help close the gap in digital access between large centers and rural areas. In the U.S., there is an opportunity at the moment to accelerate network expansion and, uh, in areas with good demographics and growth potential. We expect to earn an attractive return on, the, on these investments from these unsubsidized network expansion and offer more choice to consumers. We also plan to leverage upcoming government funding programs for some network expansions in more rural communities in the U.S. to help close the digital divide. When we look at our corporate social responsibility agenda, in 2021, we took great strides to this end and were gratified to be recognized by leading voices in environmental social and corporate governance, or known as ESG practices, and reporting uh, such as being named once more amongst the global 100 most sustainable car corporations. Among our recent initiatives, Kojiko was proud to reiterate its commitment to the environment by, by announcing its goal of achieving net zero emissions by 2050. Kojiko was the first telecommunication company in Canada to have its target approved by the Science-Based Target Initiative, which include a 65% reduction in emissions from operations by 2030 compared to 2019 levels. As a further recognition of the importance Kojiko gives to a sustainable future, I was proud to announce last week that Kojiko received the inaugural Terra Carta seal, which recognized global companies that are driving innovation and demonstrating their commitment to and momentum towards the creation of genuinely sustainable markets. This seal is being awarded to companies with ambition aligned to those of the Terra Carta, a recovery plan for nature, people, and the planet, launched in January 2021. 
On the social front, in addition to our strong commitment to digital inclusion, through continued investments in broadband networks, in regional and rural areas, we have sustained our efforts around workforce diversity and inclusion. We are proud to have achieved our goal of having at least 35% of women in management positions. In June, we were pleased to announce further action plans to drive diversity and inclusion with the rollout of training and education initiatives, the establishment of a DNI leadership committee, and increased philanthropic investments aimed at promoting DNI and supporting underrepresented groups. When looking ahead at some of our priorities for fiscal 2022, at Kojiko Connection, we will continue to seek market expansion opportunities and further develop plans to enter the mobile services market under the right conditions. Our network expansion plans include actively seeking and participating in government programs to provide broadband access in underserved and unserved areas, including the upcoming Ontario government program. We have already secured nine high-speed internet network expansion projects covering close to 10,000 households in several communities in Ontario in collaboration with the Ontario and Canadian governments. We are progressing well with the 13 high-speed internet network expansion projects we were awarded last March in several regions of Quebec, which should be completed by, sept by September 2022. Including this large Quebec project, we are planning to increase the number of home paths by 3% by fiscal year-end through network expansions and organic growth. On the, on the customer experience side, we will continue to leverage and broaden our new IPTV entertainment services, Epical, expanding to new customer segments and increasing availability in our footprint. As high-speed internet is our cornerstone service, we will continue to expand our one gigabit per second coverage on our Quebec footprint. To better understand and serve our customer, we will continue to enhance our data analytics capabilities and will introduce new marketing automation in our contact centers, leveraging artificial intelligence. As we will continue to deploy operational excellence while enhancing customer service, cost efficiency initiatives will include, among others, the pursuit of our digital transformation, mainly through engaging customers to use self-care, virtual connect, and diagnostic tools. Priorities for fiscal 2022 at Atlantic Broadband start with the integration of the OIO acquisition when, uh, where we were where we welcome new colleagues into the ABB and Kojiko family and have initiated the integration of technical and operational systems in addition we are pursuing network expansions into adjacent cities 
with attractive growth potential, where we plan to increase OMPAD by approximately 4% pro forma the Ohio acquisition by the end of the current fiscal year. Planning and initial construction is underway in some areas of New Hampshire and West Virginia, with commercial launch scheduled to start early in the 2022 calendar year. On the customer experience front, we will continue to implement and refine our new internet-first offer strategy, while we plan to launch an IPTV service by the end of this calendar year with a gradual rollout during the year. As we accomplish all this, we will continue our digital transformation, mainly through engaging customers to use self-care, virtual connect, and through advanced customer communication and diagnostic tools. As for Kojiko Media, we are optimistic about the radio outlook as the Quebec economy is recovering and we continue to enjoy the commitment of our listeners as many of our stations stand at the top of the numerous ranking. For our Montreal talk station, 98.5, it is ranked, once again, the most listened to radio station in Canada. I will now let Patrice discuss our financial results. Thank you, Philippe. So revenue at Kojiko Communications is up 8.1% and adjusted EBITDA up 1.7% in constant currency when compared to the same quarter last year. This was driven by EBITDA growth of 1.7% at Kojiko Connection and 4.6% at Atlantic Broadband. Free cash flow declined by $42 million or 37.7% in constant currency, mainly as a result of capital expenditures increasing by $56 billion partly offset by reduced financial expense and higher EBITDA. The significant increase in capital expenditures in the fourth quarter is mostly due to Atlantic Broadband's accelerated purchases of customer premise equipment and networking equipment in order to avoid supply, supply chain disruptions, which are impacting many industries these days as well as the strong customer additions that we've had in past years, uh, sorry, past quarters that had an impact on our inventories. These capital expenditures are expected to be used to support growth, driven by the recent Ohio acquisition, as well as network expansion projects. We announced an increase in the quarterly dividend from 64 cents to 70.5 cents per share, representing a 10.2% increase over the last year. Our track record of generating free cash flow and strong free cash flows has enabled us to grow our dividend at an annual rate of at least 10% over the last eight fiscal years. Kojiko Communication has also made meaningful share purchases since May 2019 and purchased close to 400,000 shares during the quarter. Now let us look at the individual components. Kojiko Connection, our Canadian broadband business, uh, revenue has increased by 10.1% in constant currency relative to the same quarter last year. Excluding the impact of the daily telecom acquisition, revenue in constant currency grew at 1.2%. Organic revenue growth was related to a higher internet service customer base and higher, uh, a higher 
value product mix. Kojiko Connections uh, EBITDA increased by 1.7% in constant currency relative to the same quarter last year, which is better than expected considering that we had planned uh, for no growth in EBITDA during the quarter as highlighted during the third quarter uh, conference call. Excluding the impact of the daily telecom acquisition, EBITDA in the quarter declined by 5.5%. This decline is mainly related to an unusual $4 million reduction in expenses last year, lower marketing and sales activities last year in the context of the pandemic, and the impact of delaying, delaying certain annual rate increases from June to November this year. Overall, Kojiko Connection delivered the expected mid to high single digit growth in revenue and EBITDA for the full year. The broadband customer additions in the fourth quarter were lower compared to last year, uh, which benefited from the positive impact of the pandemic, but were strong from a historic perspective. The video product losses were lower than last year, mainly resulting from the IPTV introduction and from a more targeted sales and marketing approach by region and by market. Finally, the phone losses were in line with historical trends. Turning to Atlantic broadband, revenue and constant currency increased by 5.8% in the fourth quarter compared to last year, while EBITDA increased by 4.6%. Organic revenue growth comes mainly from a higher internet customer base and a higher value product mix. The EBITDA growth was slightly lower than revenue growth due to higher marketing and advertising expenses to support overall customer, customer base growth. The shift in expenses during the pandemic was planned and explained during our last earnings call. Broadband customer additions were more muted during the quarter and lower than last year's unusual additions in the context of the pandemic. The video and phone customer declines are mainly related to the broadband first approach and the fact that we generally do not offer video, video only services anymore. Now let's take a look at Kojiko Inc. The fourth quarter consolidated revenue increased by 8.4% and EBITDA increased by 0.9% in constant currency. Revenue related to the radio operations increased by 18% in the fourth quarter compared to the prior year, uh, which had been impacted by the pandemic. And we announced an increase of 14.7% in the quarterly dividend, so going from 54.5 cents to 62.5 cents per share. I'll now discuss our revised financial guidelines. Kojiko Communication revised its 2022 uh, financial guidelines issued last quarter to include the impact of the Ohio acquisition, which was completed on September 1st. On a constant currency and consolidated basis, Kojiko Communication expects the grow, uh, to grow revenue in the range of 15 to 17% and EBITDA in the range of 14 to 16%. The Ohio acquisition should contribute 11.5% of the revenue growth and 11% of the EBITDA growth. Expectations excluding the Ohio acquisition are generally in line with the previous financial guidelines when factoring a slightly better than expected fiscal 2021 comparative year and slightly higher capital expenditures due to increasing equipment costs. At Kojiko Connection, we forecast in fiscal 22 close to mid 
single-digit growth in revenue and EBITDA, resulting from organic growth and also the impact of the daily acquisition, which still has an impact next year as we don't have a full year uh, in the comparative year. The organic growth should stem primarily from demand uh, for the residential internet product, the upselling of customers to higher tiers of service, and the recent launch of the IPTV product. At Atlantic Broadband, we do expect a mid-single-digit organic revenue and EBITDA growth from the expected continued demand for the residential internet product and growth in the business sector. As for quarterly results, we expect that organic year-over-year EBITDA growth will gradually improve during the year, as we will be comparing a more normal post-pandemic operation this year to an unusually strong first half in fiscal 2021. Let's remember that during the first half of last year, both Kojiko Connection and Atlantic Broadband generated very strong year-over-year organic growth. <clears throat> At Kojiko Connection, we expect a small year-over-year increase in EBITDA in the first quarter when including the impact of the daily uh, telecom acquisition. And excluding, excluding the daily telecom impact, we expect the first quarter to generate a decline in EBITDA since we delayed some rate increases until November of this year and the level of operating expenditures was unusually low last year. Overall, the first quarter in our Canadian operation should be a similar story as the fourth quarter we are reporting on today. We then, however, expect organic growth in the next three uh, quarters of the year. At Atlantic Broadband, we expect the first half of the year, especially the second quarter, to generate lower year-over-year organic uh, EBITDA growth followed by strong growth in the second half of the year, resulting, as mentioned, in mid-single-digit revenue and EBITDA growth for the full year in constant dollars. This is due to the timing of expenses during the pandemic last year, higher political advertising revenue during the presidential campaign last year, and also higher marketing and advertising expenses this year. We are planning for capital expenditures in the $815 to $845 million range, resulting in an expected capital intensity of approximately 28%. Or, excluding the network expansions, uh, it would be 20%. The capital expenditure budget includes $230 to $240 million in network expansion projects, which is the same uh, as mentioned last quarter and approximately $95 million related to the Ohio acquisition, of which close to half is linked to the integration and densification of the network. As mentioned last quarter, the network expansions will result result in higher capital intensity in both countries, but are necessary to seize a unique window of opportunity for growth. These expansions should add approximately 3% to our homes passed in Canada and 4% in the U.S. The 4% is pro forma the number of home staffs we have added with the Ohio acquisition. Since these projects will take most of the fiscal year to build, both business segments expect the growth in home staffs towards the end of the year, uh, at least for the bulk of what we are building. And the impact in the revenues and EBITDA will be in future years, not, not this year. Free cash flows on a constant currency and consolidated basis should decrease between 33 and 43% due to the higher capital intensity, higher financial expenses, 
and about $35 million in transaction and integration costs related to the Ohio acquisition. Excluding the network expansion projects mentioned earlier, free cash flow and constant currency would otherwise increase between 5 and 15%. The recently closed Ohio acquisition and the announced Spectrum purchases result in a pro forma leverage of 3.4 times EBITDA at Kojiko Communication. It is a level that allows us to pursue our dividend payment strategy as well as our share buyback program. At Kojiko Inc., our guidelines have been revised to take into account the Ohio acquisition, and we also expect revenue growth of 15 to 17%, EBITDA growth of 14 to 16%, and cash flow uh, decline of 33 to 43%. I'll turn the I'll turn it over now to Philip to provide concluding remarks. Thank you, Patrice. As we can see, fiscal 2022 looks very promising. We will actively pursue organic growth opportunities and continue to be on the lookout for acquisitions within our leverage target in areas where we are positioned as a consolidator of regional cable operators. We are actively investing in our operations and networks to continue to offer ever faster internet speeds and high performance products while expanding our network into areas to help address the digital divide between large urban centers and regional and rural areas. We also continuously innovate through automation in both the US and Canada to deliver exceptional digital experience for our customers. Through our digital transformation, we are putting our customers first and also aim to gain agility while further increasing our efficiency. As an inclusive leader, we place social commitment and corporate social responsibility at the heart of our priorities. We strive to drive inclusive growth, support our communities, and continue fostering a highly collaborative, engaging, and inclusive work environment. And now we will be very happy to answer your questions. Thank you. As a reminder, everyone, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one on your telephone keypad. Once again, that's star one to come into the question queue. And our first question is going to come from the line of Jerome Dubreuil with Desjardins. Hey, bonjour tout le monde. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, uh, actually, two questions on, on CapEx. Uh, your CapEx guidance uh, seems uh, a bit higher than, than what the street anticipated. Uh, I understand it's probably a good time to do it. Uh, but I'm looking to see a bit uh, where this higher number might come from. Are there more projects than what was expected in, in July? Is it our understanding that wasn't good? Or uh, maybe if there's some uh, some cost inflation uh, that might be uh, included in there. And then the second question on CapEx uh, just want to clarify um, what you mean by growth-oriented uh, network expansion projects. Uh, just just to be clear, the the 20% kind of normalized uh, capex. Uh, I mean, what percentage growth of own past uh, would that uh, would that imply? Thank you. Uh, 
Okay, great. Uh, hi, Jean. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of reasons why we have increased the cap, uh, the CAPEX uh, guidance. Uh, first of all, obviously, we have the Ohio acquisition. Uh, so, as I mentioned, it's about 95 million Canadian, um, and that is a mix of uh, just business as usual, and also the integration uh, CAPEX and densification of the network. So you'll recall when we announced the transaction, we said there would be, in addition to running the business, there'd be $82 million in additional CapEx we would put through over a period of two years. So uh, there's a portion of that. About half, I would say, the, uh, the increase related to Ohio is related to this, and the rest is business as usual. We've also, um, we also have some uh, uh, densification costs that we were planning to do last year in 2021 related to the Derry uh, acquisition that we're going to do next year, uh, just delayed a little bit by, uh, by a quarter or two. So that explains a bit of the shift of uh, CapEx in Canada. And uh, there is uh, also a bit of inflation. Uh, as, you, as you know, there's some inflation coming in equipment from transportation, some also the electronics. Uh, so we do expect to see some. It's not extremely material, but that explains a portion of the, the reasons. I would say Ohio is probably the, the, the biggest uh, difference there. And on the uh, your second question, uh, if I understood correctly, hopefully I, feel free to, to tell me if I'm not answering your question. Uh, what we're referring to with and without is the 200 to 200, uh, sorry, 230 and 240 million in CapEx related to uh, new builds we're doing in the year, and that's a mix of Canada and the U.S. So this is what adds to HomesPass. Uh, in the 20%, uh, we we don't have basically uh, HomesPass growth because it's included in the uh, 230 to 240. Yeah, that uh, that answers my my question. Thank you. Thank you. Again, to ask a question, press star one. Our next question will come from the line of Vince Valentini with TD Securities. Thanks very much. Patrice, on that uh, 230 to 240 million uh, rural CapEx, should we expect that to pace in evenly through each quarter of 2022, or is it is it somewhat skewed to the back half? Um, it, it's a bit difficult to say because uh, it's dependent on a number of things, uh, how the construction goes, and even before that, there's permitting that is not finished as well. Um, so um, I would say my base assumption it's going to be more second half than first half, uh, but it's difficult. It's very difficult to uh, to plan for this on a quarterly basis. Fair to say, in the first, uh, you're almost two months into. The first quarter, you haven't spent too much of it yet. Exactly. So we're we're building right now, and as Philip said, uh, in the U.S., we're planning to see some additions early uh, calendar year next year. It's it's a small portion. So w there is construction activity, but I would say uh, there's still a lot of permitting activity right now, which is not uh, very consuming from a capex uh, standpoint. So probably uh, less so in Q1. Uh, and ramping up over the next three quarters. In Quebec, we, uh, we have to be done by September 2022, which is one month after IRM. So uh, there's going to be a blitz there for sure. And then Ontario in the U.S., it's, uh, it's more paced uh, and, and some straddle into the next year as well. Okay. I have two other questions. I'll throw them both out. Actually, one, the 
the line for corporate costs in inner segment eliminations was 13 million loss in Q4 last year. This year it jumped to 17 million. Just wondering what what caused that, and is, is 17 million a new run rate, or is there something unusual? And the the final question is: uh, Is there anything you can give us, uh, Philippe, on the the time frame for negotiations on MVNO terms and and rates? I assume the process has started in talking to some of the carriers, uh, but I have no idea how long it, it might take before we, we, we find out what uh, what you might be able to do. Thanks. Yeah, well, let me start with uh, your second question, Vince. Uh, as um, we've explained before, there it's a multi-step process uh, to enter the, the mobile market. We are now uh, with the CRTC uh, framework. There was um, there's a very public open process where the uh, incumbent MNOs have proposed uh, terms and conditions. Um, we have uh, likewise on the public record filed an extensive, w w with many others, extensive answers. Now the CRTC has really to, uh, to, to finalize these terms and conditions. They, um, and they, they they've said many times. So uh, I said and and governments that uh, all all this framework is supposed to encourage um, competition and, and create a framework that is uh, fair and reasonable uh, to bring more choice to the marketplace. So we are still in this process. This is a a, not, a very obvious uh, step that we need to clear. The next one after that. Oh, and, and sorry for, to help you on the timing, uh, we're not expecting this uh, CRTC process to be finished before uh, this winter. Uh, and it might be prolonged if the CRTC needs even more information from, uh, from current players. After that, there will, uh, once we have a framework, um, and it is um, good terms for uh, new players like us in the marketplace, we will enter a, uh, a rate negotiation, a commercial rate negotiation period uh, with DMNOs. And this will take time. Um, and uh, it, it could be super fast if we find the rates that we need to uh, for, for a good to support a good business case. In the likelihood that we don't, there is a backstop uh, arbitration process with the CRTC. This obviously will add even more time. Now we are definitely into spring, summertime uh, next year uh, at the earliest. So uh, hope this is helping in terms of timing. It could be longer, um, uh, depending on uh, uh, the, the, the intensity of the negotiation, as well as the uh, the pushback that we're seeing from the uh, the incumbent MNOs right now. Uh, that's very I, helpful. Let me just make sure to clarify that I assume that none of your capex guidance for 2022 includes any wireless or MVNO build out. Then, given the time frames you just said. Yeah, I, I, I've said that in the past. I'll make it clear again today. We are going to deploy capital uh, in line with market success. So it first means that we will enter the market, we will ramp up, uh, and based on success, we will invest CapEx. Okay, so uh, on your other questions on on, um, on uh, corporate costs, um, so 
perhaps uh, I'll refer to the uh, Kajiko communication. I'm, I'm trying to see where you, uh, which number you were uh, using the 17. But if you refer to the Kajiko communications uh, corporate class in Q4, there were 11.2 million, and you're right, it's an increase versus uh, 6.3 last year. And um, there, this comes primarily from our innovation group, uh, which does include wireless activities. Uh, and as Philip said, we're not uh, building a network, but there's some activities, obviously, uh, in the sector and, and some um, a group of employees there as well. So uh, going forward, uh, for the next year, we don't expect to be at the same level as the Q4 number. We expect to be at a lower run rate than this, but it's still going to be higher than what we incurred for the full year of fiscal 21. And happy to uh, talk offline if you want to if you want to go more into it. Perhaps you referred to CGO, but because uh, you but we are happy to do it offline. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Again, to come to the cube, star one. Your next question will come from Matthew Griffiths with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Hi, thanks for taking the question. Um, I'm just going to follow up on the uh, wireless comments uh, quickly, if I could. I just wanted to clarify, you mentioned that you would deploy capital on a success-based basis, but if my understanding of like the CRTC model is correct, um, you can you can enter these MVNO arrangements for a seven-year period while you build your network. So I'm not sure, um, you know, how much leeway you, there is to um, deploy success-based capital when you have to finish the network. So maybe you could clarify that uh, comment if you could, please. And then secondly, I wanted to ask about the uh, Ohio um, subscriber counts. Um, it seems um, at the time of acquisition, uh, the kind of it, broadband subscriber numbers that you provided, um, uh, you know, basically didn't change over the six months to the, the numbers you provided as at the beginning of September. And so I was just curious what you're seeing in the market uh, in Ohio in particular, where there didn't seem to be any growth, which seems like an anomaly. And uh, just generally in the U.S., we've had some of the other providers comment about, um, you know, kind of moderating their expectations for net ads, referring to, you know, slower move activity. So just generally what you're seeing um, in the U.S. market. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Matthew. Let me start with your first question um, on the um, CapEx need for a mobile operation. So, um, so that's one component. And the second hidden component in your question is the seven-year uh, period. So uh, to, to, to start an operation, you obviously need some equipment uh, to activate customers, to be able to uh, set them up. Uh, so there's a, there, there's a small portion of capital that is required for the uh, activation, uh, support, um, billing, uh, these, these, kind of, these kind of elements that we would like, uh, obviously, have to, uh, to put up front, but they are uh, relatively small. Now, the, the network uh, build, I, my previous comment, is we're going to build the network as uh, we find success. Remember that the framework is allowing um, players like us to enter the market 
leasing capacity on the MNO's network. So this is what we will do. Our market uh, penetration will raise and we will deploy capital for network uh, equipment uh, based on success. So two, two, two different uh, buckets if you want for, for CapEx uh, expenditure. Now the seven year, um, of course we are not going to aggressively build a network um, to start um, before we find success. I said it would be the reverse. And we would build gradually um, uh, as we find success during the seven year. But the seven year is not a cliff um, thing. Uh, we have to demonstrate to the CRTC uh, that we are investing, that uh, we're, we're not just leasing capacity as in the wireline um, framework for, for TPIAs. They can rent networks, but they have no obligation to build. We've always at Kojiko supported a model where if you do find success in the marketplace, you have to invest, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, and at the end of the seven year, uh, the, there will be um, a, public, uh, a public process with the CRTC monitoring those investments and making sure that the commitments that were um, uh, made by players are, are in line. Remember that the MNOs have taken more than 30 years to build what they have today. So uh, no one would expect from a new player to, to build networks in less than seven years. But the, the, the principle here is to invest gradually over time and the, the CRTC to monitor that. Yeah, on the uh, Ohio question um, specifically, we were not, uh, I would say we're pretty much in line with uh, what we saw when we made the transaction in terms of uh, internet uh, uh, customers. We were not planning initially, and you'll recall we, we did discuss this when we made the acquisition, to have uh, a substanti substantial increase in number of customers initially. What we said is that uh, for a period of 12 to 18 months, we're going to be in integration mode, uh, which means that we need to uh, basically transit certain services to our platform, uh, order taking, billing, for example. Uh, and also at the same time, we are densifying the network uh, to be able to get new customers and also sell higher speeds to customers and introduce an IPTV product. Um, so stability for us is what we were expecting, and uh, following that period, then we're planning to be able, again, to uh, grow penetration a bit uh, and also grow our mix of higher-end business by selling uh, bigger uh, packages. The other thing you'll notice as well is the on the video side, the um, uh, not that you can necessarily see it separately, but the video on the video side, uh, there is a decline, and that was also planned. Um, the strategy uh, that WOW has is a little different than what we do on the video front, so we're all losing some PSUs on video. Uh, but in terms of uh, strategy long-term, we are planning, again, to introduce an IPTV platform across our network in the U.S., including uh, in the WOW territory. So that, uh, again, was a was planned. Okay. Great, thanks. Maybe can, if I can sneak one more in just quickly. There was also mentioned in the MDNA about uh, kind of expansions uh, into, you know, uh, I think it was Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, and New Hampshire. Th 
And that I'm sure is included in the 230 to 240, even though I think the majority of that is in Canada. Is there any, how much of those expansions in the U.S., which are going to continue past this current year, um, are, are included in that 230 to 240, just so we can carry it forward? Sure, yeah, it, it is in it. Uh, basically, it's uh, close to half and half uh, U.S.-Canada in terms of, uh, okay. of uh, the network expansions. And, uh, and you're right, they're going to extend uh, past this fiscal year. We're going to evaluate other areas as well. So we have a, a team uh, looking at this right now. And as long as we find attractive areas, uh, and again, these are, we think, attractive financially, where we can make uh, mid-teens in terms of unlevered returns. Uh, we're planning to do this for some time while we can. Uh, but it's about, uh, yeah, approximately half of the 230 to 240 relates to the U.S. expansion. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from the line of Jeff Fan with Scotiabank. Thank you. Good morning. Um, just to follow up on the previous question, um, so it sounds like the CapEx expansion or dollars is half-half between U.S. and Canada. Can you, um, is it is the breakdown of the number of homes, I think it was 75,000, is that split evenly between U.S. and Canada as well? Um, and then of the ones in the U.S., um, are you going still into overbuild markets, i.e., are you competing against fiber and another MSO in some of these edge-out expansions? Okay. So it's about, uh, actually, um, the 75,000 refers to something else. It's uh, Canada. Uh, it's multi-year, and it relates to governments of... Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.